So what I want to um, try and share with you this morning um, is about the heart. And um, we have been kind of looking over a lot of stuff to do with our hearts and, and understanding, Bernard keeps using this word, the rhythms of our heart and um, trying to understand what's going on in our hearts on any given day um, and coming to the conclusion that the heart is central and, and, um, and it's important to understand that, to know that. Um, so what does that mean and what does it look like? Um, when we're talking about the heart, you know, what, what, what exactly are we talking about? What does the heart mean? You know, what does it mean to you when you hear, you know, somebody mentioning the heart? Um, and one of the interpretations that I, 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 um, I just read it out for you. It says that the heart commonly refers to the mind as the centre of thinking and reason, but also includes the emotions, the will, and thus the whole being. The heart is the depository of all wisdom and the source of whatever affects our speech, our sight and our conduct. So what are you saying? What are you seeing? And what are you doing? You know, um, and all of these things affect our hearts. The answer to these questions actually affect our hearts. Um, what are you saying about yourself, your own situation? You know, what are you saying over your life? What are you saying over the lives maybe of your children? You know, over any situation. You know, what are you seeing as well? And, and you know, what we, what we say matters. Who knows, you know, um, if you agree with the fact that your, your words have power. Um, and we're told that in scripture as well. And, you know, how you see things um, and, the, and your perspective on any given situation will determine how you live. Um, and also, what we say and how we think affects how we act or react. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart, uh, and I think it's important to understand you know, uh, what it says and not to ignore what's going on in our hearts. Um, I'm just going to uh, read out some scriptures. It's obviously not exhaustive, but just some scripture, scriptures and some verses of what it says about the heart. Um, in Matthew 22, verse uh, 37, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. It also says in the book of Matthew that out of the overflow of the heart comes all kinds of evil. You know, so the heart is the place where we love from. The heart is also the place where we hate from. And um, in Jeremiah, it talks about our hearts can deceive us. Um, in, in, it's also the place uh, where our memories are. You know, when, when Mary was being told about Jesus as a baby and, you know, and he was being prophesied over and she was being told of what, you know, his life would entail when he was older. It says that she pondered those things in her heart. Um, our hearts can also be hardened. We can harden our hearts. And we're told in the book of Hebrews that, you know, today if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. And uh, David prayed um, in Psalm 51. He said, Lord, give me an undivided heart, so our hearts can be divided. Um, our hearts can also be broken. And that word broken literally means in pieces. Um, and then I think probably the most important verse is in Proverbs 4.23, where it says, above all else, guard your heart, because it is the wellspring of life. Um, 
it's out of the depths of our hearts that we experience life, you know, gladness of heart and heartache. And it's pretty obvious that our hearts are important to God, you know, and and looking after our hearts is vital. Um, I was talking to Bernard earlier on, and I, the amount of people that have stopped me and poured out their hearts over the last while has been unbelievable. Um, And I've come to the conclusion that there is a lot of broken-hearted people um, around the place at the moment, and there's a lot of people in bondage, in bondage to addiction and in bondage to all kinds of things. Um, and I've also noticed that some of the, of the movement in my own heart has caused me to look a little bit deeper at things that are going on in my own heart as well and how I'm, how I'm handling things and sometimes looking to maybe false comforters to you know, help me with things that are going on in my own heart. Um, I just want to read from Isaiah 61 and it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me this is the first words that Jesus spoke when he began his ministry and um, it was from the book of Isaiah that he that these it was actually these verses that he he spoke it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. And what I noticed about this this passage of scripture is that bondage here is linked to brokenheartedness um, and it's also Jesus' mission in life is to bind up the brokenhearted um, and it's a cause that Jesus is very committed to thankfully so what causes our hearts to be broken um, there's lots of things but, but trauma is, is, is basically what causes our hearts to be broken in Psalm 109 Verse 21 and 22, it says, Out of your love deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. And trauma doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a huge disaster to cause a wound in your heart. Um, it can be something that was said here. Um, it can be a throwaway comment. And, and, you know, as children, they reckon that psychologically, trauma can have lasting effects on us. This is what a a child psychologist said. It says, the mind that experiences a trauma determines whether it will be traumatic or not. A young, immature mind is more likely to be traumatized than an older person. And this is due to limited understanding and experience and inadequate skills for processing a difficult situation. You know, it's important how we speak to our children because if they're wounded, it can actually change the way they live. Um, a couple of weeks ago when we were in, in Bernard's, um, Lorraine shared something with us that she's given me permission to share this morning. Um, and I just couldn't believe it. Like this, just what, what sometimes what a trauma can do, what somebody, when somebody says something, how it can change the way you live. That's a huge, that's a huge statement. And Lorraine was praying for Hannah. And um, she felt herself saying to God, Lord, don't let Hannah be like me. You know, and, and God spoke instantly back to her and said, you were once like Hannah. 
And it was, there was something in that where she had asked her father a question years ago when she was a little girl. And she had said to him, Dad, am I your favourite? And he simply said back to her, no, you're not my favourite. And he didn't say that anybody else was. He just said, no, I'm not your favourite. But that caused something in her heart that something shut down in the rain as a child. And she became a different person. She started to live a different way. But God was showing her, you know, and, and I believe has, has healed that, that wound in her heart as well and brought her into a place where what, what that did to Lorraine was it caused her to feel that she wasn't lovable you know and, and it just and changed the way she lived like, and that's what wounds can do to us um, and e- even after you know when, when it talks about in Ezekiel about you know our hearts being renewed that God says I'll give you a new heart I'll take away your heart of stone I put my spirit in you and I'll move you to follow my decrees. And I've noticed that even after, I'm on this road a long time, you know, and even after a regenerated heart, that if the wounds are not dealt with and addressed, that you don't really experience the freedom that God wants you to, to have. It's so important to deal with the wounds in your heart, particularly to invite God into them when you didn't, when you were a child, maybe if they're childhood traumas. You know, um, our bondage is also linked to our choices. So it's not just about, you know, uh, you know, there's personal responsibility as well. It's not just about, oh, we can't help doing what we're doing because we were wounded. And, you know, you need to be careful, obviously, what you're, what you're saying up here. Um, and also, uh, but if you're just trying to deal with sin in your life without dealing with the wounds and the bondage that they can cause, then you'll never experience that freedom either. It says in Ephesians 4.26, it says, Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. For me, I always understood that scripture to mean, you know, if you were having an argument with your spouse, maybe before you go to bed, it would be good to sort it out. Or if you were arguing with somebody else, you know, sort it out before you go to bed. And that's a good thing to do as well. But it's not just, it's also means don't let the sun go down on your pain you know don't let the sun go down on your perception of something that's going on in your mind and your heart caused by wounds and the more the sun goes down on those things the more the enemy will have legal access to your life and cause strongholds which are hard to break you know they are the hard to break um and it can look like this, you know, some of the things that I, I've kind of just written down a small little list and it might sound like this to you, you know, these are some of the things that we can say uh, or, or perceive about ourselves or others or even about God. It can be no one likes me, you know, or I'm broken and I'll never be fixed. I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm unlovable. There's nothing special or lovable about me. This is one that I'm constantly saying. I have to say that, you know, my life has no purpose you know, or, or gifting, or calling, or meaning. Um, and, you know, if God really cared about me, he wouldn't have let this happen. God is punishing me because I'm bad. You know, and these are, these, you know, this is sometimes where you can go with, with wounds and with letting the sun go down and, and not even maybe realising what it's doing. Um, but that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to question the goodness of God and to make agreement with him, um, which is never a good idea. 
as I said, when we make agreements with the, with the enemy, we give him legal access to our lives, and his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy, you know, and that is what he'll do. Um, as I said to you, I'm on this road a long time. I've been a Christian a long time, and my conversion was very real. Um, the transformation in my life was very real. Uh, God made the word, his word alive to me, you know, and, and, um, and I really began to believe for great things for my family, for my children. Um, but I, I don't believe I dealt with the wounds that were in, caused, in, well, childhood wounds anyway. And I really started to kind of believe that some of the stuff that I grew up with and some of the awful stuff that was happening in my home, a mental house, um, and I kind of thought it wasn't so bad, you know, grand, you know, I, not too bad. I, I mean, there's people worse off than me, and these are the things I was saying, but it was actually awful. <laughs> and, you know, and kind of pretending that it wasn't, it isn't good. Um, I, I think that what happened for me is that I hid behind my kids. And I, I, you know, and I, my identity maybe came from them and, and from being a wife, and I, I hid behind that a lot. Um, and, you know, some of the, the wounds for me were, you know, I, it was a, my home was a very critical one, so I was never affirmed, and I never felt good enough. These, these were some of the, the, the situations that I, that I found myself in. I was afraid to try anything in case I failed. And I, you know, and fear of failure, I believe, stopped me from moving forward in me in my life. I, I kind of thought, like, you just don't try, and you won't be criticised if it goes wrong. Like, and um, and I can remember having visions of walking around a field up near where I lived and being branded almost with this big F failure, failure, you know, branded like, you know, with the way they brand cattle. And it was I, it, this awful kind of feeling, an awful situation. And. I have a panic attack if anybody asks me for my number, you know, in case they text me or ring me. It's like, you know, I actually feel that I'm, I'm afraid of intimacy with people because I feel they'll leave anyway. It's a fear, you know, of, you know, don't get too close to people. They'll only hurt you or they'll leave and they'll... These are some of the stuff that wounds can cause and it's mad, you know, that I feel as if I'm up here, I should be speaking about being free of all of this stuff and I'm, again, on the road a long, long time, you know, and... but. I'm learning to try and look at things from God's perspective, which is, you know, you, you, know, you really, like, as I said, strongholds are hard to break. Um, and I, I also felt that God was kind of teaching me. Um, he, he was bringing memories back from childhood to me, even only recently, you know, some of the memories where maybe I was doubting whether he was there. And, um, but I... I I felt that God was showing me, no, I was there. I, I was present with you, I, you know, and, and it has helped me. And I grew up also very anxious. I think it's something that I've passed on to my kids as well. We do suffer a little bit with anxiety, like Sarah would, you know, agree with this as well. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that I always felt I had to run somewhere. We went to bed a lot of the time with our clothes on and shoes on and all, because you were running out of the house at some point. It was a madhouse. But... In Psalm 139, the, la the last um, verse in that psalm says, Search me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I also thought that that verse was just about searching out sin. You know, and I think we all know when we're sinning, in fairness. Like, you know, with this, you know we, we know when we're doing things that are not right. 
But, um, but I also believe that this is searching out the pain in our hearts, searching out the wounds and, and, and doing it with God um, and allowing the Holy Spirit to shine a light, if you like, on, on, on wounds and, and bring healing and wholeness. We were talking, that, in that last song, talked about God being holy and it's where he wants us to be as well. But part of being holy is being made whole. You know, that, that's part of being made holy, is, is being made whole as a person. Um, and I genuinely believe that all addiction and stuff comes from trauma. I believe that people are numbing pain. That's what they're doing. Like, you know, they're trying to numb their pain. And, um, and to the good bit is the healing, you know, is how do, how do we get healed from the wounds and, and you know... Um, it says a healing comes when we see things from God's perspective. His is the only voice that matters. And inviting Jesus into the broken places of our hearts um, helps to heal us because we didn't do it when the arrows went in. And maybe we didn't know how to, you know. Um, the surgeon's knife is painful and there's no anaesthetic. Um, I do remember there were, par- there were times when God was trying to bring healing to my heart, but I just didn't let him. I, was, I just couldn't cope with it at the time. I think it was just, I, I felt as if there were moments in the early walk, my early walk with the Lord that he was trying to bring me to a place. And I just kept shoving these things back down because I just, maybe I wasn't ready to deal with them. Um, and I was thinking about the life of Joseph. Uh, he's my favourite character in scripture and um, looking at Joseph's life and how traumatised he must have been when you know I, I always kind of say that maybe it's easier to take wounds from people that we don't know or from strangers it might be easier to cope with wounds but when they're from people that you, you love and are supposed to love you uh, it's, it's just the wounds are, they could just go so deep and with him it was obviously his brothers and um, and he was left for dead by them. And even, you know, you can kind of see in the life of Joseph that he, he wasn't a victim. You know, we, we're all in some ways products of our past, but sometimes we, beco- we can become prisoners of them. And, you know, I maybe I feel as if maybe I've been a bit of a prisoner of my past and maybe living too much in the past. Um, but for Joseph, I feel that Joseph knew that his pain had a purpose, there was a purpose to his pain, a purpose for his pain. And um, even when his brothers came and stood before him, he was able to say to them, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. You know, and, and that out of his pain there was a purpose, he said, for the saving of many lives. You know, he was able to see, if, God, if I hadn't been brought to this place through all of the pain that I went through to this place, then most of Israel, most of the country would die of starvation, you know, if he, he knew there was a purpose to his life and a purpose for his pain. It wasn't for nothing. Um, this is just the last bit of, of um, what I have to say, and this is from a, a Christian psychologist, and it says that um, viewing difficult situations with godly lenses and responding in healthy ways strengthens our brain chemistry. Luna was telling us a few really interesting things, the way this works, the way our brain works and, you know, how we can just be stuck in places with, you know, and it says that we, we grow psychologically 
and we become more spiritually mature. The Bible calls this the renewing of our minds and it leads to transformed, abundant living. When adversity presents itself, God is sovereign. And on this side of eternity, we may never know why certain traumatic experiences happen. But we do know, however, that God can use hardship to make us stronger. Understanding God, his plan and biblical principles for living, especially during adversity, allows us not just to survive despite adversity, but to have resiliency that allows us to thrive because of adversity. So what's going on in your heart? You know, are things off kilter? And you know the way that that, that verse in the, in the New Testament where it talks about, you know, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that word rule means like an umpire, you know, like a, a football umpire. You know, the way they're kind of watching for the offside and they're, you know, if there's anything off kilter, there the flag goes up, you know. And um, I would say to you that if you're not experiencing peace, you know, then there's something off kilter. There's something not right in your heart if you're, if you're not experiencing the peace of God. Um, and I would also suggest that you ask God to search your heart and to show you where you've allowed strongholds maybe to form. This is not a witch hunt. It's not like, you know what I mean, going and ask. Oh, do you remember she said she didn't like my cat or something? You know what I mean? It's like, maybe that does bother you. I don't know. But, you know, it's not like a, it's like a, a witch hunt. Um, but to do it prayerfully, you know, and, and also sometimes it, it, it may, you may need to renounce the sins of the fathers. And that, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about the blood of Jesus is that it doesn't only um, cover us today, but it can go back, it can travel back, and it can sanctify the cor- courses maybe, or maybe you see things that are being repeated in your family line, you know, that... You know, I used to say to myself, oh, God, please don't let me be like my father. But I ended up more like him than any of my siblings. You know, like, it's mad, isn't it, how you just, the things that you don't want, like, you end up being, being like them. Um, and maybe don't do it alone. Maybe pray with somebody who you can trust and, you know, somebody that can pray, pray with you. Um, because God is committed, so committed to healing our broken hearts. He doesn't want us in in a place where we're just trying to survive, you know. But God wants us to thrive. He wants us to um, to live an abundant life, you know. That, that and His mission in life is to do that, is to set our hearts free. Um, and like I said, He's so committed to that. Bernard is going to pray because he's walked through some of this stuff um, very prayerfully, and um, he's going to maybe pray and share a few yeah. things himself. So, all right. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so I, I won't, I won't go into this too much, but we're going to do communion as well. So if I, if Ken or, or or Mal or Stephen, could you help me get maybe the communion stuff out? Would you mind? And we'll end with this. So it's so funny. I was saying to myself, I was a few earlier on. I was saying to myself, uh, oh, I forgot the, we forgot the communion. We got communion. And I know why now. It's, it's just weird how it's not weird it's amazing how God works because he purposely we remembered it and he's like this is where I want you to do it because all of that stuff that Bridget has said the importance of of God what the, the importance of our heart and how God is really like 
That's the first words Jesus said. He mentioned your heart. The first word he said, that mic drop moment, he said, I'm here to bind up the brokenhearted. Yeah, I'm going to free them from all their sin, but I'm not going to leave them there. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. And he wants full integration. He wants your heart to be fully renewed. And what better way to remember at the cross, that's what he won for you. And I think Bridget even mentioned it, that we have agreements. And some of the agreements that we have is, well, did Jesus really do that for me, maybe? Or that word branded really struck at me. Oh my goodness, what, what are the things that are in your head and in your heart? As Bridget said, it's an amazing explanation of the, the head and heart connection. What are the things that you're agreeing with that are branding you that are not of God? Maybe you need rebranding, and rebranding happens at the foot of the cross. Rebranding happens when you say, yeah, actually, Jesus, you know something? I'm going to leave that loser comment or that loser brand or that I'm not worthy brand, all of that stuff, all of that hurt, I'm going to leave it at the cross. I'm going to leave it with you, Jesus, because you've given me a new name and you want to bind up my broken hearted. Can I challenge you? Um, do you believe that Jesus came to bind up your brokenheartedness? That there's something in your heart maybe today that you go, that has been off limits. Is there something off limits to Jesus? Because in, in Revelation he says, I knock on the door, I don't bust in. He's very gentle. One of the things I felt in the sermon, just a small, or in the preaching, I said, Lord, it's very quiet. What's the story? And he's like, yeah, I, I have to take care of people's hearts. He won't barge in here. You have to take the step and go, this is, this is difficult, Jesus. This is me opening up my heart. I'm, I want to not do this. And I've been in many places where I've gone, Jesus, I'm not gonna, I don't even go there. Can you just deal with it? But he's not like that. He's very gentle. He's very gentle. So when we get the elements, we're going to, just do, we're going to pray. Thank you, thank you. The first place we go, and um, uh, and you'll you'll probably hear me pausing on a few things, so I'm going to ask you to to go with me on this. I'll probably do a bit of first person stuff, but it's it's directed at you guys. You can join in in your hearts. And so Jesus, uh, I just thank you for. I just thank you that you've come to bind up the brokenhearted, and that means my heart. Jesus, sometimes that's really hard to believe that you want to do a work in me. You want to take those things in my heart that have been traumatized by my past. Holy Spirit, can I just invite you into these places now? Can you just show me? I'm just going to leave a bit of space for this to happen. Holy Spirit, come. Can you show us places Places of agreement where I'm agreeing with the enemy and giving foothold. Places that I need to step out of, that I need to renounce, that I need to say no, no. Jesus came to to break this.
And folks, trust me when I say this. Jesus had to die and wanted to go through what he went through so that you would experience peace and full restoration. I'm just going to say that again. Yet he came to destroy the power of your sin in your life. Absolutely, 100%. But he also came to restore your life. In John 10.10 it says this, I have come to give life and life in abundance. I leave you peace, he says in another piece of scripture. I'm going to leave you peace. And a peace that kind of transcends all understanding. Just let your heart agree with that. Just let your heart go, yeah, Jesus, I want that. I don't know how to get there. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just going to start with an agreement here, Jesus, and say, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I don't know why Jesus is leading me here, but one of the biggest agreements that you have to stop is that God doesn't love you. Look at what he did in sending his son to the cross. So not to give you a religion, but to get you back into relationship with the father, as it says in the prodigal son. But the father wants you back so desperately back that he gave his only son that he'd have you back. And to give you that full restoration. And some of these things are hard to believe at times. So you need Jesus to come into those places and help you get that revelation of, I am loved. Jesus, you did that for me. So the things that the Holy Spirit have maybe shaped or have brought up right now, those things that you've, you need to renounce. And renouncing means I'm, I'm shaken off. I'm, I don't want that. I don't want that thought anymore. I want to realign and re- get rebranded with Jesus. And by goodness did he rebrand you on the cross. By goodness did he do that. And he did it with a precious price. And you were bought with the most priceless thing from heaven. The blood of the Lamb. You were bought. So you, you're worth something to God if he, if he emptied heaven. You were worth it in his eyes. And just allow your heart to align yourself with that for the moment. Allow yourself to go, okay, Jesus, there's something in that that you are so priceless that you that a priceless price had to be paid for me. Maybe align yourself with that and make that agreement. So Father, as we take these these elements, we we take the bread and we remember your son, we remember you, Jesus. Your body, the bread of life given for us, the bread of life given for us, so that we would experience true integration into Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we take this bread and remember you, Jesus. And as we do, Jesus, we take every blessing into us and every yes and amen for our life. We don't know, maybe we won't know and we don't know what they are yet, but we just say yes and amen with this, with this act, Jesus. Jesus, as we take this blood, 
we just remember the precious price that you paid for us. And that you paid for us to be made whole again. Guys, I have to say, I, I would encourage you during this week. And just that word, branded, really struck out with me what Bridget was saying. It was so powerful. And it's exactly what the enemy wants to do. Is to brand you with your old things that Jesus died for. To, and, and to cut you off from that stuff. Generational stuff that is brandages. So Lord, we take this cup and we ask you to rebrand us. We leave at the cross, Jesus. Those things of the enemy that are just lies that tell us, I will be like my father or my mother. Jesus, you came to cut the ancient paths away and give me new paths, your ancient paths, Jesus. Your narrow path that I want to walk on. I pray for a renewed mind, Jesus. Come into my mind. Come into my thoughts. Come into my, my life, my heart, my emotions. And Jesus, make it right. Amen. Amen. Folks, there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. So Mal, when you get this on, on the website, maybe you can... Just have a look at the website and I would encourage you, there was so much in what Bridget had said. Listen to it again. This is not a sermon thing that you can go, okay, best of luck all the way, best of all out on Sundays. And sometimes that's, that's a bit, when something lands like this and God is after your heart and he's hunting after stuff, you need to prayerfully sit with him. You know, you need to prayerfully sit with him and go, what's going on here? So whatever's been brought up today, I'd happily sit with anyone and pray with you. Because vice versa, I'm going to be on the hunt with people in my prayer life and go, can you pray with me over this actually? Can you help me with this? Because God has brought stuff up for me. I want to bless you this week. Right? May God's face shine upon you this week. May you step into the healing presence of the Lord this week. Put yourself in the way of the rhythms of his heart. Put yourself in his way. Get some time with God this week. Amen. Bless you guys.